Hello, everybody. Welcome to I'm Talking Here. Fantastic. Do you reckon? Yeah, very good. You have a go. I was impressed. I'm all right. No, give it a go. Got, mm. I'm talking here. Okay. There we go. Yeah, mine was definitely better. Okay. So uh, I'm Aaron Day. I'm uh, Rob Brent. And we realised that we both love movies and yes. we both love talking about movies. Yes. And we wanted to put something out there into the world just in case people wanted to hear about our general stupid ramblings on about films. Fantastic. So what do you feel about this? What do I feel about this in general, this whole experience? Yeah. Um, I when, feel... when, is, when does the awkwardness kick in? Oh, the awkwardness is always there. I don't think it ever leaves. <laughs> I think you've always got a level of awkwardness. Or I can't even re- say the word. In regards to the podcast. Oh, in regards to the podcast. Like, yeah, 10. 10? Out of 10. Okay. Mm. So you know we're probably going to do this at least once a week, maybe once a fortnight. I'll be fine by next week. Excellent. Sorted. So we felt that one of the things that we wanted to do was there's lots of film podcasts out there and they are all excellent in their own ways. We just wanted to provide a bit of a an odd, sort of particular nuanced way of approaching films. Yeah, we'll put out our film recommendations out to you, particularly films that we have watched across lots of different platforms. Cinema, Netflix, Amazon, other streaming platforms are available, as well as DVDs, Blu-rays, blah, blah, blah. But what we also wanted to do is actually explore kind of the odd part of the cinema world and we wanted to bring you along for the ride so rob hello mr b that's me are you ready to Uh, do this journey with me i am okay so let's do this so rob and i had the pleasure on friday to go and see captain marvel uh the new movie as part of the ever-growing, ever-expanding, ever-financially-encompassing uh, MCU. And if you if you have seen Captain Marvel, you'll know that there is an incredibly significant uh, cat feline appearance in the film. And we thought to ourselves, actually, this would make for a really interesting discussion <laughs> on cats yeah. in movies. Cats in movies. Cats in movies. Yeah. Now... I've put some ground rules in place in regards to this, right? Right, okay. So the first ground rule is you cannot include big cats. Okay. So Simba Simba from The Lion King can get lost. Aslan can do one. Literally can die again. Mufasa can die again. (laughs) Scar. Scar's gone. Scar's gone. Scar's gone. (laughs) So I'm I'm so it's got to they've got to be they've got to be proper like cats like domestic cats domestic cats Uh, they can be animated good and they not saying that mine's animated okay that's just good good rule and they can be computer generated Mm. domestic cats as well Mm. all right so do they have to be domesticated um they can be roaming good so they could be not saying mine is (laughs) so they could they could be like. Uh, a homeless cat, a homeless for example. Cat. Yeah, my um, So over to you, Rob. Cats in movies. Okay. Where are we going first? Um, I quite liked as a kid mm. the amazing film The Aristocats, okay, which features luckily a lot of cats. But I think <laughs> the best cat out of all of them has to be the boss that is Thomas O'Malley. Okay, the alley cat. You're going to take me down on this? I That's th- all I need to say. I, I watched it as a kid. I can't really remember much of the film. 
But right. I know he was cool when he came along. Okay, so... I want to be him. Not a cat, but like the human version of him. Okay. Homeless. So, I'm going to go really left field here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, people... Well, not a lot of people will have seen this film, but I love Studio Ghibli, Studio Ghibli, Tomatoes, Tomatoes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that Miyazaki portrays cats as quite weird, quite sarcastic ridden little things that actually are, they, they, they can kind of take it or leave it sort of cats they will be around to help out the main sort of protagonist, but generally speaking, they're 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 very arrogant mm. and and a little selfish. Mm. Now, the cat in Kiki's Delivery Service mm. is a, a particular favourite of mine. Black cat, very sarcastic, likes to sort of tell Kiki off a lot. Um, kind of says, "Oh yeah, well that's going to work," when obviously it doesn't work. Mm. And he seems to, he's a kind of like. A he's like a wise old arrogant sage in a tiny black cat body. But why would you want that as your best cat? He's my most, he's my most memorable one for me personally. Now I know most people will go Blofeld's cat. Yeah, that cat doesn't do anything. No, it just gets stroked. But he does. It does. does it? Yeah. What does it do? Well, you think right? How creepy <laughs> and how how villainous like is it? With someone sitting there. I mean, that's iconic oh, now. Right, okay. It's iconic, isn't it? Are you saying if he turned around and was just stroking air, <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have the same effect, would it? That would be creepy, though. You, I well, think yeah, I want that version. Because you'd think that he was like... Out. You'd think that he was... Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you think about... Okay, he hold on. He thought you had a cat. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Let me just practice this. One second. Ready? Okay, so just so you know, podcasters, I've uh, just turned my chair around from Rob. Okay, so... Turn in the chair. Not even in a swing chair. <laughs> I'm not even in a swing chair at the moment. Here we go. So, <laughs> Okay, and stroking air. I've been expecting you, Mr. Bond. That is incredibly creepy. It does make it look like I'm like <laughs> a long way away from stroking my crotch, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Which yeah. could also work for him. <laughs> Are you going to imagine you're just standing there? <laughs> I've been waiting for you. Standing there, legs akimba. Mr. Bond, okay. I've been expecting you. And just sort of the hand. This has no effect on audio, so why are you doing it? Like, they can't see what you're doing. Um, anyway, you've proven your point. The, the cat is, okay. is, a, is a bit vital. Blofeld's cat mm. is a way of actually adding a certain type of personality to Blofeld. How so? Well, black suit. Mm. White cat mm. makes it feel very film noirish. Makes it feel like okay, he's he's when you think about all the connotations of a cat, and if you've got this cat that is sort of purring and is in control and is staring at at James or whoever it is that he's staring at, that gives an impression of control authority but also with a slight tinge of uh, psychopathy hmm. like true villainism are we chosen that as the cat though no it's neither of our cats for, for me not my favorite cat no. there's loads of cats in movies don Co- right don Corleone's cat mm. works in almost a similar way to blofeld's cat 
I can't remember that cat at all. Why not? Tiny thing, almost like a kitten. Yeah, that's why I couldn't see it. But it's it's the fact that he's stroking that cat. In the, whilst, in, the, in, the, in the offer, I right, can't refuse. No, no, it's, it's no, it's right. It's in the very first like ten minutes of the film, and Don Corleone's sitting there and he's talking to somebody about it being his daughter's wedding and all yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah and he's sitting there stroking the cat. Is he? Yeah. Oh. Well, he is stroking the cat at his desk. Oh. <laughs> you know, I don't, this I don't, is I don't a film that. podcast. I know you're right? gonna have to change the intro now to so someone <laughs> who knows about films and someone who doesn't. I have no memory of a cat in that scene. Really? Yeah. It's iconic. Yeah. That's what I'm worried about. Right, next cat, go. Next cat. Oh, is it more than one? I was just picking there's one. Loads of, there's loads of cats in movies. Um, okay, the Siamese cats in Lady and the Tramp. Oh, they are terrifying. They we used to really scare me. Siamese, if you please. Flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> they are terrifying in the way they, they work together. They work together to wreck the house. Yeah. They know what they're doing as So well. that lady yeah. would be in trouble for it. Yeah. Right? Generally speaking, when you look across the boards, cats in films are generally awful. It's And do you know, it's. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Yeah. Twins are often evil as well. Because if you think they're shining, yep. they're evil. So, are so you anything say- worth, I'm not saying all twins are evil. Have we got proof that there's twins in films that aren't evil though? No. No, twins are evil. I, I always don't... up to something. Are there twins in the film Moonrise Kingdom? I don't know. I'll find out on Wednesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah. Um, is there not twins in the Matrix? They're evil. They're, they're, they're like the ones with the white hair and the dreadlocks and stuff. Yes, they're evil. Evil, evil twins. Okay. Hollywood hates twins. <laughs> <laughs> and cats. And cats. Twins, twins and cats. And cats. That's the ultimate for Hollywood. Okay, so <laughs> so you've got you got they were called Cy and Am. Those two is that, cats, is that the Cy and Am, yeah. Cy. But the thing is, is that's that they were they were kind of a when you look back on them, mm. Asian cats, mm. kind of a very awkward when you look back at on a very awkward stereotyping yeah. going on there. I mean, you can't look too hard at Disney, yeah, that, can you? Because otherwise. Have to burn all your collection. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, other cats in movies. Other cats in movies. What about um, McGonagall? She turns into a cat. Is that cheating? In Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's not a. She's a cat for a little bit. Quite a good cat. <laughs> Quite a nice cat. I just like that cat. Okay. Would you rather her be a cat or would you rather her be McGonagall? <laughs> Like, would you rather? Yeah, would you? Would you rather? Would you rather rather be taught by a cat? Would you? Let's walk into my lesson. Let's be taught by a cat. So that's McGonagall. Rather you teach me in cat form. (laughs) Let's play a game of would you rather? Not who would you rather? But would you rather a Mm. go out with dinner with McGonagall or b have a night in with McGonagall as? The cat. Ooh, that sounds saucy. Mm. Do that. I like how you said saucy cat. <laughs> yeah, it's cat saucy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep McConnell. I can't get a word. I'm too excited for that prospect. Mm. Yeah. Do that. I'll stay in. With, a cat form with cat McConnell. If she changes, the deal's off. She's out. That's a deal breaker. Yeah, She's out the door. Out. It's not the rule. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Cat McGonagall. Um, Best cat. Mr. Bigglesworth, Austin Powers. Mm. 
I dare you to do an impression right now. Mr. Ficklesworth. Now that sounds more my, like Alan my, Rickman. My head looks... <laughs> from, <laughs> from Harry Potter. <laughs> Mr. Potter. You saw my instructions. I saw him stroking a cat whilst doing that, yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. Good. Where does. There's a lot of stroke in the cats, though. Like, I feel like when we got into Captain Marvel, mm. they really thought about making a cat shine, like making it a key character. Hard push to think, uh, apart from the Aristocats. Okay. They're all characters. Church, Pet Cemetery. Oh, now that's good. So mm. that's a significant part of the mm-hmm. plot mm-hmm. because Cat dies because it gets yeah. hit on in the road yeah. by the busy road outside. Orico trucks, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Come on gets, taken, gets taken to the cemetery, gets buried, yeah. comes back alive. Yeah. Then the, the boy, the son... Dies, gets Straight hit on. by a car. Yeah. So he, rinse and repeat. So work for the cat. Excuse the pun. Mm. Church is the catalyst for the entire oh. plot. It's very, yeah, very good. And the book as well. The book's fantastic. I've never read it. Oh, well, I've never seen the film, so I was just going. Really? The book there. Yeah. Okay. Although I'm excited about the remake. Like, I'm uh, not in the slightest. Are you not? John Lithgow's in it. He was right. in Bake Off last week. Yeah, and it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair cop. So are we settling on a best cat in movies? Best cat. Uh, I, I know I what don't... I know what's my favourite. Uh, uh, but I think there has to be a there has to be a best cat. Best cat. In movies. Well, it, we'll come I to mean, Goose we'll come in a moment. Ge- well, yeah. It's are Goose you... off the table. Because I think Goose was just phenomenal so we're gonna we're gonna talk about goose and captain marvel in a minute but goose plays a massively significant part in 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 the film i say massively significant it's oh, massively significant. you think so okay oh, yeah. right um he, he's kind of like he's kind of like groot in that yeah. way isn't he in that he's peculiarly brilliant yeah 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 are we going full spoilerific with no no well, we'll no. try not to. Maybe Spoiler we should put free. a warning at the beginning. Yeah. Should we do that? Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll come to that. Shout it. We still haven't decided our favourite cat in movies. Um, what have we got? Cat McGonagall. Okay. So you... Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> cat McGonagall. <laughs> that you're spending a night in with. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to take a... favourite. Are you going to get a Nando's takeaway? We are. And then... Is she going to get a Sheba? <laughs> she is. A Nando's Sheba. We're just going to curl up in bed together. Okay. So... Okay. Don Corleone's cat, Godfather. Blofeld's cat from Russia with Love. Like they don't have Ooh, actual names. We didn't talk about Jonesy the cat in the film Alien. Sigourney, we, Ripley's cat yes. in Alien. Yeah, they don't... It's the only thing other than Ripley that survives the whole ordeal. Mm. And then also survives many, many, many years of hypersleep. Yeah. Back at, yeah. Or deep sleep for like 50 odd years for the next film. That is a really resilient cat. Does, does the cat get killed off for Aliens 3? No. Like, uh, uh, oh, one? Aliens 3, I think so. But oh. it is in Aliens 2, I'm sure. Or Aliens, mm. sorry. That's a good right. cat. Mr. Bigglesworth mm-hmm. in Austin Powers. That's obviously a Blofeld yeah. parody. Yeah. Um, Am, Lady in the Tramp. Now, other ones that we have not mentioned. Meowthra in the Lego Ninjago movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> we did not mention Meowthra. Uh, Figaro. Fig- actually, in Figaro. Pinocchio. How did I not think of Figaro? Best Fig- cat ever. Okay, Figaro why? Figaro is amazing. Why? Falls through the floorboards and survives. I mean, what's not to like? Okay. But is but that, that just kind of plays on the idea that cats have nine lives and all that sort of thing. Yeah, but still, like, that's... I'd, I'd say, right, you've got a list where you've got Blofeld's cat. Doesn't yeah. even have a name. How could we say that's the best cat? Figaro has a full-on name. And I know the others do, but they're all ridiculous names. Whereas Figaro is, is just spot on. Okay. Like, he wants to eat that fish, wants to take out Cleo, and wants to take out Pinocchio as well. Fierce. Okay, so are we... On a go- boat as well. Are we... <laughs> so are we saying Figaro is Figaro. the best cat in movies, down, yeah. apart from Goose? Apart from Goose? Nah, I don't know. I forgot all about Figaro. Oh, hold on. Mm. I've got one more. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the film Sleepwalkers, also a Stephen King uh, adaptation, I believe? No. Um, so Sleepwalkers. So. Sleepwalkers is a film, I believe, from the late 80s, early 90s. And it tells the story of a mother and son who are actually cat-like aliens from another planet who live on planet Earth in some part of kind of like suburban America. Yeah. And in order for them to actually survive, they effectively suck the life, suck the souls out of young people. And so the son of the two yeah. is used as, because he's very attractive looking in his human form, oh. he is used as the way of, of bait to bring um, sort oh, of attractive I, young ladies in. And how he, old is this son? Is this... I, he's like high school senior. So he's, like, senior. he's like 16, oh, okay. 17, 18, that sort of Ooh, age. Okay. And the idea is, is that he, he, he sucks, literally from mouth to mouth, he sucks the life out of uh out of his victims or the, but they both do yeah and it's in all, it's it's a way of helping them to maintain their human form to continue looking young yeah. um, when in fact they're actually cat like aliens but the cool thing about sleepwalkers uh-huh. is that they are cats uh, they abs- they actually fear cats and they so have we can't, we can't include so all of the as, so all the cats as best cats because they're not cats. No, they're not cats. They're cat aliens. Cats I'm not saying that they're the aliens. the cat aliens, right? <laughs> but cats from around the town, from around this this American suburban yeah. town, they're trying to they they are automatically sort of magnetized towards their house to try and attack them. Okay. And you'll note, like really really early on in the beginning of the film. They've set out traps in the garden to kill these cats because the cats would otherwise um, uncover their secret. That sounds mad. Now, the first time when the boy cat alien yeah. has has befriended this girl at high school, and has um, uh, and they and they they've gone alone together somewhere to have like a picnic, yeah. and he goes to he, he sort of uses his charm and like his charisma and everything and he goes to kiss her yeah and he then starts to suck the life out of her via the mouth the mouth yeah, yeah. and her response is to get a corkscrew and shove it straight into his eyeball nice yeah it's the it was the first ever 18 certificate film i ever saw and i'm fairly sure that in the soundtrack you've got enya 
Oh, why have I not seen that? So, I mean, when did that come out? It's called Sleepwalkers. When did that come out? I want to say late 80s, early oh, 90s. I wasn't even born late 80s. Late 80s, early 90s. And it, oh, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for making me feel <laughs> really old. Cheers. I wouldn't have known about Sleepwalkers because <laughs> I'm not in my mid 30s. Yeah. So that's that good, though. So, yes. We can't include them, though. No. Not. In fairness, though, although this goes into, into spoilers. Yeah. Because spoilers, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Can we include Goose? Ah, so well, realized. that's what we'll come to next, folks. Okay, now we're at the part where we're going to start to look into Captain Marvel with our film review and recommendations section. So, Mr. Day, mm. what was your expectation before seeing Captain Marvel? Um, obviously, had a lot of... It had a lot of um, marketing, mainly because of the fact that it was a female-fronted superhero movie, the first one of the MCU, the fact that it was being co-directed by a female director alongside a male director, um, the fact that you had such an amazing actress such as Brie Larson um, being cast as Carol Danvers. Um, did you see her in the film Room? Yes, she was absolutely phenomenal. Incredible. Yeah. And I remember the first time I saw her, she um, played Scott Pilgrim's ex-girlfriend yes. in Scott Pilgrim yes, versus the Road. And that was my... Night of the Demon Head. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that was my first real sort of understanding. So her being cast in the film did get me very excited because of the fact that I knew she would be really com committed to it and, it and she would really bring out the best in that particular character. Um, I think anything in regards to the MCU there is this kind of level of quality standard mm. that you do kind of expect from uh, Marvel movies nowadays. You do not expect them to kind of go down the same route as DC comic films in, in the sense that they are very inconsistent and generally the quality of them is very poor except for Wonder Woman. Yeah, I'd say... It's definitely sort of the same thing. Going in beforehand, I was thinking all I really needed was a good introduction to Captain Marvel mm. because every, it, obviously the end of Infinity War heavily leads in that she's going to play a big part within Endgame. Um, so it was going in to hopefully like the character. Mm. And, and I was pleasantly surprised. I'm quite excited to see her in, uh, in Endgame and how she'll even work. Uh, especially in terms of her power set. With it as well, like now that trailers kind of try and spoil everything, mm. um, I try to avoid as much as possible. Um, and even doing that, I was amazed at how much I actually knew about the film and how much I expected. But there were quite a few nice surprises through it. I mean, what, what was your sort of viewpoint on that? Did you know what to expect? Cause I knew you avoid trailers as well. No, the, the two... The two things that I knew going into the film was that um, she punches an old woman in the face. <laughs> um, but for what reasons, I didn't really know. But I did know that kind of the main quote unquote villain were going to be these scrolls and that they were shapes shifting aliens who could who could take on the, the form of anything that they basically look at. So I did, I, that was pretty much what I knew. And I knew that she was an incredibly powerful um, Marvel superhero and that she was she was very much, 
especially from the end of um, Avengers um, Infinity War, that she was going to kind of be this in case of emergency superhero. Um, so no, my, my expectations of it were quite, um, am not ambiguous. My, my, my expectations going into it were quite, um, closed. I, I was, oh, sorry, quite open. I should say I was quite happy. Actually <laughs> <Literally> the opposite. <laughs> I, I've, I know my vocabulary. Uh, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't know a great deal going into it. Especially in comparison to you. Well, yeah, I mean, I've read Secret Invasion, so I knew when uh, the scroll mentioned that would be an aspect. Yeah. Another issue is that I've watched lots of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so when the Kree were were in it, mm. uh, they play a big, spoilers, they play a big part in terms of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And as well, I don't like Jude Law, I don't trust him, so I was happy. Ever. I just don't like the guy. I, I don't know, oh. what, do you love him? Um, what would be a good film for Jude Law? I really like him in the Sherlock Holmes films. Uh, see, I've, I've never watched him. Uh, so maybe that'll change. He makes a good Watson. On. Does he? Yeah. yeah. Not not as good as Martin Freeman, but yeah, he makes a good thing. Watson. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's more about Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> Who is in the film? He's he in is the film, in the film. So that's okay. In fact, I, I, do you know what? I like Closer. Closer, I, I really yes, like. Yes, he is good in that. Clive Owens in that, who'll always yeah. outshadow anyone else. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was quite good in it. He was an all right villain. Yeah. Coming in. So how how did you feel when we came out of mm-hmm. that cinema on Friday night? What was your general um, opinion of the film at that given time? I think I was I was happy with it. It yeah. felt very much like your Phase One sort of origin stories. Yeah. Um, and I think just because so much more has happened. Yeah. That was uh, not necessarily a bad thing, but it, it kind of got overshadowed by all the things that are coming. Um, I was amazed with uh, Nick Fury. I'd say that he was. Probably my favourite character in it. And not that I've not not ever not liked Nick Fury, but I think having the time to actually spend with him and especially almost being an origin story for him as well as to, as to where he's come from. Samuel L. Jackson's <laughs> digital makeover. Oh Samuel L. Jackson's digital makeover in that film is yes. extraordinary. Yeah, they nailed is, it. It's absolutely fantastic. I remember sitting there at the, the first time he's sitting in the bar talking to Brie Larson slash Carol Danvers and the, the sort of the light is coming in from the window and it's shining on his face and he's and he's you can see every little pore every the it, that digital makeover must have been painstaking yeah. in in terms of uh, like in terms of special effects it must have been painstaking and i i take my hats off to them because i could not sometimes with certain films like that you can't see you can see the lines you can see the yeah. seams yeah. so to speak with that no, it was like it was like looking at Samuel L. Jackson even before Pulp Fiction. It was like yeah. from like twenty five odd years ago. It which, was ridiculously good. Yeah, it was, it, it, the fact that they can do that and at no point you're then taken out of the story because you're yeah. thinking, oh yeah, he's de-aged. You, you had to remind yourself about it. Yeah, I mean, Coulson was probably the reason I was reminded because when he, he came up, I don't know whether that was the the CG on him or it was just how they'd done him up. Yeah, and um, but that was the one I was more questioning. And mm. um, but when it came to Samuel L. Jackson, just. It just, it just looks completely natural. It amazes me that they can do that now. Like, okay, yeah. so let right. We'll we'll put a warning in place right now. Spoiler warning <laughs> that we are we are going we are going to talk about a lot of Captain Marvel. The plot. We're going to talk a lot about 
um, what happens at the end. We're going to talk about the end credit stings. We're going to talk about all that sort of stuff. So if you haven't watched it yet, go away, check it out, go watch it at the cinema, come back to us and join in with the conversation once you've watched it. Or if you're happy to have it all spoiled for you because you're probably not going to watch the film and you rather just move on to watching Endgame or any other of the Marvel films coming up, then join us in the conversation now. So I really liked how the, the one of the central themes is actually realizing that the scrolls are not actually the villains really yeah. of the of the film and at some points if the, the the theme of this idea of you know terrorists freedom fighters you know heroes that sort of thing what is a hero um was a very interesting theme for them to look at it was a little on the nose on occasions especially when they were up in the secret laboratory up in orbit and you had the families all kind of in in cages and they even referred to themselves as refugees at one point as well it it there were points like that where it did feel a little bit on the nose but it's remembering that it's it's a marvel film it's not a a 15 certificate you know political drama or anything like that yeah because <laughs> that's the thing with me I'm thinking more awesome we're on a spaceship whereas you're, <laughs> I just think that's funny. you're thinking all the themes there and I'm going cool shapeshifters <laughs> and not going deeper through it I think even going beyond that like I think no I can't because I can't, you made it really deep there I didn't mean to I think it was just something that I picked up on yeah. it's like well okay this, it turns out the scrolls are not evil they're yeah. not they're not malicious they're not all that sort of thing yes they have as one of the scrolls quotes at one point kind of blood on their hands because of this ongoing war with the crees mm. but it does turn out that you know jude law and his and his um un- untru- <laughs> untrustworthy ways um proves that he is actually the the person who sort of brought carol into the world of the cree turns out that he is actually the guy that has orchestrated this um this uh, evilness Mm. this this wickedness that's going on oh yeah i suppose talking about the shape-shifting it's good to think in terms of that like that whole sequence like with the old woman on the bus and i love that there was a moment where she square punches that woman in the face is brilliant i mean because in fairness i'd seen that i'd not seen the scene but i'd seen so many reaction things about this particular scene yeah um that seeing it in full it it completely lived up yeah but that whole um idea of you you don't know who to trust or or where to trust and Uh that sort of fear sort of feeds into that theme as well but also the guy who then gets shape-shifted and and uh, goes up on top of the train and the little moments of him realizing someone's stolen his identity. Yeah, played just for perfect laughs. I think. Yeah. I think it really excelled. I think the '90s stuff. Yes, I really enjoyed. Yeah. I could have done with more of it. Actually, I didn't need it to go back to space. The, I could have spent just time in the '90s. But do you not think though that they? It did feel like at points Captain Marvel was. It was like, oh, that bit works in Guardians of the Galaxy, so yeah. we'll we'll use elements of that. So yeah. we'll have a pumping '90s soundtrack, <laughs> and we'll use, um, you know, a strange character that is actually incredibly powerful. Yeah. Goose the cat. Yeah. Okay. Um, we will put in very strong 
female characters because the audience like that. At points, it did feel like the perfect focus group film. Yeah, I, I mean, you've got big links to Guardians because Ronan the Accuser is there. So obviously yeah. it's a set up in terms of, of him. And they've learned their stuff now. They, they know how to, to please an audience. Yeah. So I think it's very hard to move away and they're remixing these elements mm. elements towards it. Um, and just humour in any Marvel film is great. But I think a lot of um, humour through, like Josh Whedon brought from Buffy and Angel and all those season, uh, series, just feel like they were, they were implanted through Marvel. And once they got that with the Avengers... Do you think, do you think then that humour and getting the right sense of humour yeah. is the thing that separates the yes. Marvel Cinematic Universe to the DC Extended Universe? Completely. I think it knows how ridiculous it is. Mm. So it needs that bit of levity, uh, levity to be, this is ridiculous what is going on, so mm. we'll give you those bits of humour. And like I said before, that's that's how why Buffy always worked, because yeah. there were these ridiculous plot lines going in, but you'd have such good comedy behind it. Yeah. It also makes the characters more believable, yeah. because um, like one of the best jokes, the science guy, yeah, like the is, it's just... Talk about the science guy, talk about the science so guy. So in terms of the... I don't know what the main guy, the scroll, where his main science guy, they've been trying to find this, uh, the, the laboratory, and they can't find it. And then, uh, is it uh, Carol who figures it out? Or is mm. it Nick? It's all of them, basically, and they're saying it's just basic physics. Yeah. And it's the fact that they've spent all this time with a particular science guy, and he can't do anything at all. Yeah. And um, it just humanises it, especially from their point of view, that the way they talk to each other, it is completely different to when you get DC and it's so just I don't know all these poses and all these it's very stuffy taking itself too seriously and I would say for DC they make incredible trailers but then when you watch the film it just feels like the extended trailer going on and on and and Marvel never has that aspect it it did feel like Captain Captain Marvel on a humour basis borrowed things from it w- it was like as if part of the script was partially doctored by Taika Waititi yeah and i don't know whether that was actually the case especially when when you first find out that the scrolls are not actually the villains they they arrive in that that lady's house yeah um i forget what her name is now but they arrive in the lady's house and they they reveal actually you know Carol Danvers's sort of real purpose and all that sort of thing and the the conversation that goes on there, the fact that that the main scroll even has an Aussie accent as well, <laughs> it did feel like they went, oh, okay, Taika Waititi hit something with Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Let's bring that in because that accent and the way in which they talk to each other gives them a bit of humility. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting. The thing with Taika Waititi is, I remember watching Thor Ragnarok. He does the things you'd never expect a film to actually. Do yeah. So you lean over to your friend and say, "Oh, imagine if Bruce Banner didn't turn to the Hulk and smacked against uh, the deck, and then it happens on screen." Yeah. And taking that sort of idea to sort of it appeals to the audience in in such an amazing way that actually you're seeing this hilarity actually happen right in front of. So I, I wonder how much he was involved. It would be it. interesting to find out because I mean it was filmed partially in Australia as well, wasn't yeah. it? And and Canada. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, basically, the film tells us that never trust Jude Law, especially <laughs> no. when he's wearing dodgy contact lenses. Um, 
<laughs> Brie Larson can't really do any wrong. No, I don't think. Anything else that you've learned from the film? What have I learned? From Goose is awesome. I mean, we've to got to talk to about Goose. Goose. We Goose. have to talk about Goose very quickly. Okay, so Goose Goose appears Flo. when Nick and Carol, Nick Fury and Carol, um, they um, they infiltrate uh, the Pegasus base, yeah. where kind of the central idea of sort of light speed and why the scrolls and the Krees are trying to get to it and all that kind of thing. And uh, the cat just kind of appears, doesn't it? It the, yeah. the cat doesn't it, it it doesn't really get much of an entrance apart from just appearing in this one room where they're trying to seek this information about Carol's past. And gradually throughout the film, Goose the cat becomes so much more than just a cat. Wasn't it Marvels? Isn't that where the cat's there? Wasn't it her? So I thought it was. Oh, it was her cat, yeah. wasn't it? Yes, that's so then, right. Through that, but you, and I thought you were right when you were saying that. Right, that's a shapeshifter one. I thought, cat, yeah, the way it was brought in, yeah. And um, but then, yeah, you warned then throughout the film uh, that Skrull is scared of the cat, but because it's uh, a flurkin. It's actually another vicious alien life form um, called a flurkin. Yeah, and then so you're thinking it's just a cat throughout, and then you get the big laugh where all of a sudden the cat opens its mouth, all these tentacles come out, and all of a sudden you realise they've been telling you the truth throughout. I don't know why that that works so well, because really the cat didn't... I don't know, what was it it about the cat that actually made it good? Um, It is because throughout (laughs) you, you... fail to believe yeah. the scrolls you fail to believe their purpose mm. you fail to believe their knowledge of the world the galaxy yeah. around them yeah. and when that cat gets scanned and it and it says flurkin you know high you know, you know danger to uh scrolls high you know you almost think it's just another name that they've got for it and they just yeah. get the cat and you've got nick fury sitting there going it's just a cat mm-hmm. and you know they don't really let on much more than that and it's when yeah, when that thing opens its gob, <laughs> and those tentacles come out, and it wraps up half of that Cree yeah. uh, infantry, and and the Tesseract, and the Tesseract as well takes it right in. It is, it is it will become one of the defining moments of the MCU to the point. And did you know this that um, in Korea, yeah, they've started memeing the heck out of Goose the Cat really? where they've been taking the Captain Marvel you know the Captain Marvel poster that has Goose the Cat on yeah, the yeah, poster yeah, yeah. so they've been taking Goose out and putting their own cats onto the posters <laughs> uh, and doing all sorts of weird stuff with the posters and obviously South Korea they love their cats yeah. as they do in Japan and places like that yeah. but yeah it's 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 gone viral this idea of you put your own cat onto the Captain Marvel poster I think that is the that, that is the amazing thing for Marvel when you think in terms of the characters Mm. That it's ridiculous for me to say now that one of my favourite characters is a cat. <laughs> <laughs> how do how do they do that? That, that I, I love that cat so much. That mm. If that cat turns up in Endgame, my life is made. Hold like, on. But one one of my favourite characters in films ever is the cat bus from My Neighbor Totoro. <laughs> Again, coming back to Miyazaki. So there's, Couldn't that have been best cat? I, I cat generally, bus. in life, I don't like cats. No. I think cats are smarmy, self-entitled yeah. little gits. Yeah. Um, but they are well utilised in films. Okay, so uh, <laughs> final question then. Yeah, is, on, is Captain Marvel going to be deemed as a classic in 15 years' time? In... in Generally speaking, within the film world, um, 
just speaking to the podcasties here now. Okay, I'll, I'll not listen. Right. Um, I'll wait until I read this. Generally speaking, a film is deemed a, can be deemed as a classic once it is 15 years old. So, to make you feel really, or to make myself feel really old, The Matrix is now deemed as a classic. 1999. So, which, which does make you... But effectively now, anything that was made in 2003 is oh 2004 yeah. sorry or two, no 2003 can be deemed as a as a classic matrix is a classic it's <laughs> amazing <laughs> okay so i was nine year, when i saw that the year <laughs> so the year is 2034 what now no <laughs> <laughs> how long have we been doing this <laughs> forever <laughs> The year is 2034. 34. Are you looking back at Captain Marvel as a classic of this sort of canon of, of superhero movies? No, because I, I think Why? when you come to the MCU, you, you're going to pick out other ones over mm. Captain Marvel because, I don't know, it's more like Avengers Assemble when they've all come together. It's a monumentous occasion of mm. something you've never really seen happen before and work so well. Those are those are your big ones, and because you've got all these connected films together, I think it's very hard to then have that single point. Like the Matrix, the Matrix is the trilogy. Yeah, the other two are terrible, but I was very young when I watched mm-hmm. them, so I loved the second one. Right. Um, you're gonna have to delve into the MCU, and this Captain Marvel won't be picked out as being being one of the highlights. But you say that I mm. I enjoyed Captain Marvel more than Black Panther, and for yeah, and for a lot of people, Black Panther is the number one Marvel movie. It's, it's not the number one mm. for me, but I'd, I'd but say generally there's, speaking, there's more to Black Panther than, mm. than Captain Marvel. Okay, it's it's got Sterling K. Brown in it as well. He's phenomenal. But, but I actually the actors you've got in it, like I I agree with you. I do not think that Captain Marvel will be deemed as a classic in 15 years time much in the same way that i do not think that something like the dark knight rises will no. be deemed as a classic of its genre the dark knight, dark knight absolutely and batman begins as well do you think yeah definitely oh, okay um i got dark knight I'm not, I'm not so sure about batman begins but as a as a piece of entertainment as a it is it easily passes uh, what you would consider a recommendation for a film yeah I don't know are you saying you wouldn't recommend Captain Marvel I think because it it leads into so much with the MCU and if you're not if you're not fully invested in the thing as its entirety I I feel like I'm not sure I think as a start middle end as a three act (sighs) plot I think you can go into Captain Marvel and not have too much... You wouldn't need too much prior knowledge about what's been going on in that cinematic universe. I suppose it would be interesting for someone who's not seen any of the films if you did put Captain Marvel in Mm. when you've been introduced to those initial characters. Mm. Um, And I don't know whether I am suffering a bit of uh, superhero fatigue. Yes. I do feel like Endgame is going to be yeah. an end point for me on the journey of it. And I'll still watch them. But yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just yeah. So yes, I enjoyed it as a, as a film, but I, I don't know whether I would 
admit i'd say yeah yeah watch it i suppose but okay. i'd say surpass that recommendation i'm not sure how much how much i would do i would agree with that okay okay <laughs> in terms of proper debate <laughs> <laughs>